Today on the great solemnity of Pentecost, which is the last day of the Easter season, the 50th day, that's where we get the word Penta from, the 50th day of Easter, the last day of the Easter season, we hear some incredible details in the readings this morning about the Holy Spirit descending upon the apostles. And one of those immediate effects of the Holy Spirit coming upon the apostles is that they begin to speak in tongues. The apostles are speaking in a language which is foreign to them, a language which they had not known before. And some of the people who are around the apostles, they can understand what the apostles are saying, although they, they say, well, how, how can this be? These men are Galileans. They're simple fishermen from the northern country. I'm from a country 100 miles away, but I can clearly hear and understand what they're saying to me in my own language. But to others, to other people, what, what the apostles were saying, it, it sounded like babble. They could not understand. Now today, we often think of the same effect of speaking in tongues when we think about the Holy Spirit coming into a person. And there's even some Christian denominations out there which erroneously believe that unless a person is speaking in tongues, they've not yet received the Holy Spirit. That, of course, is it's, it's not right. And St. Paul, telling us in one of his letters to the Corinthians, tells us that there are many gifts of the Spirit, many gifts of the Spirit, and not every person receives all the same gifts. The gifts which you have received from the Holy Spirit are different than the gifts that other people receive from the Holy Spirit. So not all people will speak in tongues, but there are some who do. Perhaps there's some here at the Mass this morning who've heard people speak in tongues before. Or maybe some of you have actually spoken in tongues in a religious sense before. But this just goes to show that the speaking in tongues, it really is one of the more well-known gifts of the Spirit, I believe. But in reality, all of us here speak in tongues. Every one of us here, as a Christian, as a baptized Catholic, speak in tongues. And this is why. There is, an there is a, a homily written from a priest in northern Africa in the 6th century. And you have to understand that in, in the 6th century, uh, the northern Africa was producing some incredibly zealous and courageous Catholics. In fact, it's out of northern Africa that St. Augustine, the greatest theologian of the Eastern and Western Church, comes out of. So there's a priest writing in northern Africa in the 6th century, and it, it comes up in the Office of the Readings, which uh, we prayed yesterday. And in this homily, this priest says that the church is filled with the Holy Spirit. The church of Jesus Christ is animated with God's Holy Spirit, and it proclaims the gospel of Jesus Christ in every language. Now, 1,500 years ago, that was mostly true. That was mostly true. But, but today, it really is true. If there is a known civilization, if there is a known language on this planet, the gospel has been translated into that language. 
or is being actively translated as we speak right now into that language. Every known civilization, every known language in this world either has a gospel translated into that language or somebody is doing it right now. One of the most beautiful characteristics about the Catholic Church is its universality. In fact, the word Catholic itself means universal. Some of my greatest memories of studying in Rome in seminary were attending some of the canonization masses and our choir, our seminary choir had an opportunity, the privilege to sing it at many of these, these incredible papal masses. And I remember a couple of the masses in particular where I was not in the choir singing, but I was in the middle of St. Peter's Square. And I would look around at certain points during the mass, I would look around and see that people were, were uh, they were flying flags from over, easily over 100 different countries. So some of these canonization masses, there's 150,000 people in St. Peter's Square, easy. 150,000 people just in the square. And then for some of the more important masses, such as the beatification of Mother Teresa of Calcutta, I remember standing in St. Peter's Square, which is filled with 150,000 people at least, and looking back on the Via Conciliazione, which is the road which goes from St. Peter's to the Tiber River, and there's another three or 400,000 people down that street. And people from over 100 different countries filling the streets and filling especially St. Peter's Square. It was really fascinating. You know, I couldn't really have conversations with, with most of these people, although there, I do remember at John Paul's funeral, I met a lady from Germany and we were able to uh, speak a little German together. And there's a few other times where I was speaking Polish or, or maybe Italian with some people, but, but for the most part, I could not understand their language and they could not understand English. But during the Mass, the most beautiful thing, even though we couldn't understand each other, we were praying to the same God with the same prayers and the same readings. It was amazing. There's no other institution on this planet that can do that. Nothing compares the beauty of the universal church, the beauty of the Catholic church. And during some parts of the masses, particularly the responses, we would sing those, we would chant those in Latin and he unified 150,000 people. We're praying to the same God with the same words. Although we couldn't communicate with one another through our own languages, we could communicate through the language of the church. Isn't that amazing? It's absolutely amazing to think about that. And since the members of Holy Mother Church, and we are members of that body of Christ, since we are members of that church which speaks the gospel in every language, then we speak in tongues too. Because we are members of the body of Christ which is speaking in tongues. And so we, as Christians, are speaking in tongues. It's, it's fascinating to think about that, isn't it? So we can look at it from an ecclesiastical or a church 
level, but we can also look at it, I think, from an individual level too, a personal level. We remember that speaking in tongues involves speaking a language which is generally foreign to the speaker and often foreign to the listener too. And not all the people who hear somebody speaking in tongues is going to understand. Uh, to, to some, it's going to sound just like Babel. And when we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are speaking a foreign language because the gospel of Christ is foreign to this world. If you're following the gospel readings for the daily masses this past week, we're going through John 16 and 17, that very beautiful prayer of unity, which Jesus prays uh, right before he enters into his passion. So he's praying for unity for his apostles. He's praying for unity for his church. He's praying for unity for all of us. And he's also praying to the Father, and I'm paraphrasing, but he, he is asking God the Father to protect his disciples, to protect his followers. Not just, not just the 12, but us too. He's praying for us to be protected in this world. He, and he says clearly to, to God the Father, they do not belong to the world any more than I belong to the world. Don't take them out of the world, but protect them while they were in the world. So Jesus is praying for our protection while we're still in this world. Because as I mentioned last week, this, this world is not your home and it's not my home. We have to be very clear on that. So when we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the gospel of heaven, in this fallen world, it's going to be a foreign language to many people. And to many, it's just going to be Babel. And often I, I ask myself, why is that? Why is it that some people just don't understand and it seems like Babel. I mean, let's face it. A five-year-old can listen to the gospel and comprehend about 90% of it. That's one of the beauties about the word of God. With the parables which Jesus is using, it, it, they're so simple that even a child can understand. But at the same time, even a theologian can spend an entire lifetime focusing just on two verses of sacred scripture ever ancient, ever new. It's so beautiful like that. Yet, why is it that so many people, they can't understand the gospel when a, when a five-year-old can? I know so many learned people, many educated people, and they're completely oblivious to the parables of Jesus. Completely. I think there's a few reasons for that. I think the first reason is pride. Somebody who is very proud, they're not going to be able to listen and understand and comprehend the word of God. They think they're too good for it. And I meet people almost every day with that mentality. And it's very sad. So somebody is very proud that is, the gospel is going to sound like Babel. And when we talk about the gospel into somebody who, who's very arrogant or proud or self-centered, they're not going to be able to understand it. It's going to be a completely foreign language. I think there's other reasons too. I think that a lot of people, they, they harden their hearts to, to receive the word of God. And it's just Babel. I think they, there's a lot of people, they live their life in a way which is completely foreign to the kingdom of heaven. It's, uh, they're not following God's laws. They're not following his commandments. They could care less about the teachings of the church. They've hardened their hearts to it. So, of course, when they hear the gospel, it's going to sound like Babel. 
And then there's people who, they just fill their life. Their life is inundated with, with distractions. And they can't hear the word of God. As we celebrate this great solemnity of Pentecost, I think it's time for us to do another, another assessment of our spiritual life. We've just finished 50 days of Easter season here. And I think we should ask a very important question to assess our spiritual life. And that question is this. Am I proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ in word and deed? Am I proclaiming that, that gospel, which is a foreign language? Am I speaking in tongues in this world to others? Or am I not? And to answer that question, we ask another question. I like this question. It's not a, it's not a, um, my own personal thought. Otherwise, I'd write a book on it and probably make a lot of money. Maybe you've heard this question before. If Christianity was illegal in the United States, as it is in about a third of the countries in the world, to practice Christianity openly like we are today, if Christianity was illegal in the United States, and it's not right now, yet, but if it was, and you got picked up by the deputy, you got cuffed and stuffed, brought before the judge, what would the prosecutor say? Would the prosecutor tell the judge, Your Honor, this, is an, this case is going to be super easy. I have witness after witness after witness lined up who will testify under oath that, I, that they heard or saw this person say something related to Jesus Christ. I, I can just give you 20 or 30 or 40 witnesses right now of people who heard this person say the name of Jesus Christ in public or tell somebody about the gospel. This is easy, Your Honor. Or, at your trial, will the prosecutor stand up before the judge and say, Your Honor, I cannot find a single witness. I cannot find a single person who will stand up and state under oath that this person who's been arrested has ever said anything in public about Christianity, about the Catholic Church. I can't find anybody, anybody at all, who's ever heard this person proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ in word or deed. I just move that we dismiss this, Your Honor. It's a very good question, isn't it? It's a hard question, too, which I ask myself often. So I think on this great solemnity of Pentecost, we should pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, that we be courageous, but we also receive the, those incredible gifts of the Spirit, wisdom and knowledge and understanding and fear of the Lord and counsel. We pray for the, for the courage the fortitude to be able to speak in tongues, to be able to speak the gospel of Jesus Christ in this world. And although we may think that people they're just going to, to think it's babble. You never know which heart that word of Christ is going to penetrate. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever.